Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Diz Explorers podcast. Each week, we explore the world of Disney travel and Disney culture. Joining us this week, we have our producer, Milford. Yeah, hello. Adrian. Hi. Jessica. Hey, how's it going? RJ. Hello there. Crystal. Hey, y'all. And I'm Mel. So this week, we have a bit of news coming out of the world of Disney. Disney Infinity announced just this afternoon that they are going to be discontinuing the production of new Disney Infinity games and pieces. In fact, John Blackburn, the senior vice president and general manager of Disney Infinity, released a statement saying this. By now, you may have heard that the news that Disney that we have made the difficult decision to discontinue production of Disney Infinity from the beginning. Disney Infinity was built for you, our fans. And I wanted to take a moment to thank you not just for your support over the years, but for creating a community that made Disney Infinity more than just a game. Now, having said that, Disney Infinity is not completely stopping everything. They do have two final releases that are coming, including three new characters from Alice Through the Looking Glass, which will be released later this month, and the Finding Dory playset launching this June, hopefully at slightly discounted prices, considering that the entire program has been discontinued once these releases are final you never know milford did you have anything you wanted to say on that yeah i just i was kind of glad i didn't get sucked into this whole game because i know a (laughs) lot of kids that i know that are really sucked into it and are going to be very upset that it's gone you know this all came out as a part of their release of their financials for the first quarter it came out as a part of also the park revenue is actually up because of the high ticket prices but their attendance from january to march this year was actually down it looks like 17 percent compared to last year the same time so i'm sure they're looking at any way they can cut expenses and and keep shareholders happy all right any of your kids actually any of your kids play with the disney infinity sets and then mine were too old to sort of get into it when it all was released. Yeah, I had a I had a daughter who's now married that they were big into it when it first came out. I don't know that they bought any more of it, but I know they were into the whole 2.0 version when it came out. I don't think they've gotten involved in the 3.0, but they loved it. I mean, it was and I've watched them play it. It was pretty cool, but you know. It seemed to be going strong. There were online communities that were dedicated to it on Facebook and Twitter and all other forums. Oh, yeah, there's all so kinds of to, websites out there that support this It seemed stuff. to be going strong, you yeah. know, much like yeah. the vinyls have their community and pen traders have their communities. It was another Disney community that seemed to be thriving. Yeah, and what surprised me from a marketing standpoint is just how much advertising I've seen, even in the last couple of weeks for it. You'd think that if it was dying and they were planning to shut it down that they'd kind of give up on that. But it seems like they've just been pushing until like the last second. It's kind of weird. I don't have too much experience. I had the 2.0 version as well and and a few pieces. I liked the pieces just to use as collector things because they all looked cool. My kids never took to it because they were a little young, but maybe I didn't mess around with it long enough. But it seemed like it took a long time. Like They just wanted to do what the commercials were showing them. They wanted to get to the world and have characters do different things from the different worlds you know they wanted jack sparrow riding and lightning mcqueen and stuff like that but they wanted to do it right away they didn't want to have to build up to that and stuff so i think they lost uh, interest because it wasn't happening fast enough for them so maybe that was but the the online part of it was huge Mm -hmm. yeah so definitely some 
not magical news coming out of Disney this week. <laughs> Though with all of the price increases for the parks, I'm not surprised by the revenue and the increasing level of complication it takes to plan a visit. Uh, I'm not surprised that people are taking a step back in light of all of, all of the construction on every single park seems to have those magic walls up everywhere. I think regular park guests are probably just a little construction weary. And they're just ready for it to be over with. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Well, because it extends beyond the parks, too. A lot of the resorts had major construction. The Polynesian was under construction and walls everywhere. Right. And right. I know, you know, you pay you pay a top dollar premium price to stay on those grounds, which are beautiful grounds, and to not see anything but, you know, construction scrims and walls everywhere is, I, I, I would imagine, it would get annoying. Especially for people, DVC members, who were, you know, just starting to flood that place now. Right. Yeah, just to add to that, with the increase of annual pass holder costs, I think there's a lot of locals who aren't hitting the parks either. Right. Yeah. I can say from a travel agent point of view, I've had several people that have asked me about booking trips down there that have looked at, you know, the fact that, you know, Hollywood Studios has about five or six attractions, and that's about it right now. And they're making decisions to wait until the Star Wars land's done. It, it, you know, it's kind of like, you know, do I want to spend a hundred and hundred bucks to go to a park that's got six, six extract, six attractions and, right. and not be able to spend the whole day there. So, so while yeah. we're talking about star Wars, let's jump right into star Wars land. That's coming up. Plus the galactic spectacular light show fireworks display starts this summer. From what I've seen in previews and speeches, it seems like the Spectacular will have projections on the buildings, sort of, I'm guessing, like Small World in Disneyland or the castle over in Magic Kingdom. So that'll be interesting to see how they incorporate the projections with the light shows and all of the music. Yeah, right now in Disneyland, they have for the 60th anniversary a special fireworks show that has projections all down Main Street. Right. And it's it's really, really cool. So I'm imagining that the Star Wars Land one will just be even more awesome. Yeah, I think it's supposed to resemble that in some respect. I think I read somewhere or heard something about they were supposed to represent like the uh, the desert planet of Tatooine and it, and then like the trench scene from uh, the first Star Wars, A New Hope. So it, I, I got to imagine, you know, like you said, Jessica, it's going to encompass all sides of Hollywood Boulevard there and right up to the Chinese theater. Probably got it's got to be similar technology to what they use for uh, celebrate the magic at the Magic Kingdom that yeah. you know, project on the castle. Yeah, and the Millennium Falcon ride. I mean, that just looks outstanding. I can't wait for it oh to goodness. open. That'll be the big e-ticket ride for Star Wars Land. Yeah. So that that'll be neat with guests controlling the ride as much as we can control the ride yeah that's fantastic that, that'll be really neat and then there was news a couple of days ago that they're going to add more scenes to star tours so oh, that'd be cool with rogue one coming out there's apparently a scene now? for that there's well there's there's i i forget the exact number but when they started with the new ride there were over 90 think, different scenarios you could get yeah with, i think it was like 50-something different scenes Yeah, that okay. you could get. Though, me writing it, I think I've seen six. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm thinking, and how my son always seems to get picked to be that one <laughs> person. The rebel the, spy. The rebel spy. You know, there's, you know, there's a trick to that. You wear, you wear a very loud Hawaiian shirt, and you get picked. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Because, Good tip. Because that's Same. happened to me a couple times. <laughs> Same. My if brother you want... always gets picked if he makes a stupid face. <laughs> <laughs> it, that goes for the laugh floor too in the Magic Kingdom. If you come in there with some sort of crazy hat, or in my case, arms full of tattoos, you usually end up being uh, that guy. That guy. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I have been that guy a few times. Multiple stickers a, from that place. We have a perfect <laughs> record of being included in the Laugh Floor show. Every time we have experienced the Laugh Floor, our family has been picked on, included. Oh, my goodness. The stories are fantastic. That's great. We, we still tease our kids with some of the things that they get, <laughs> that they were teased with on the show. Oh, so fun. <laughs> So, included in Star Wars Land, back to that, they're going to have, from what I've read, shops to to rival Diagon Alley over in Universal. Definitely the food. That'll be interesting. It'll be mm. alien food for human palate, I would suppose. Yep. <laughs> so that'll all be interesting. And the parade shows, character meet and greets. Yep, lots yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I also thought I read somewhere that the um, cast members are going to be in character too. Like they're supposed to be aliens as well. That'll be kind of different. Yeah, I think oh, I heard. Okay. I think I heard that as well. Uh, same thing, or they're at least going to experiment with that. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they do a lot of the food items and drink items and stuff, and how they uh, how they make that stuff look the part, but still uh, actually look appetizing at the same time. I mean, I, I'll try anything because that stuff doesn't bother me. But you know, there's there's people that are going to look at stuff and be like, uh, I don't think so. Where's the chicken nuggets? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure there will be outposts for adult beverages, perhaps some that include rum. Oh, we better hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the great things about Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom and Epcot is the adult beverages. Yes. There's no shortage of them. Nope. After, nope. after a day with the kids, sometimes mom and dad need those outposts to refresh us or or right when they open up at 10 o'clock in the morning that works too <laughs> we were at i'm on 50, vacation at 50's <laughs> prime time that bar was hopping when we were there for lunch one time yep it was, oh yeah it was definitely pretty early oh yeah <laughs> tune in lounge is my favorite place to hang out when it rains oh, yeah, yeah that place is awesome yep that's a good spot yeah we've uh We've had them make us uh, lapu lapus at Ohana breakfasts at eight thirty in the morning. Sure. So. Wow. Yep. It's the Hawaiian Bloody Mary. No, oh, <laughs> those things are awesome. They, they really are. Hmm. So yeah, I think the food offerings are going to be similar to what they've had at a couple of the Star Wars weekends events that they've had the last couple of years. They had a. They took the restaurant right next to Star Tours and actually turned it into a Star Wars food vending. And matter of fact, during Star Wars weekends last year, you actually had to make reservations to get in there, even though it was quick serve. It was yeah. uh, pretty interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been to Star Wars weekends. But my wife and I went once in uh, 2008. Uh, we haven't been back since. And I'd like to, well, now they're not going to do it anymore, but... Um, I don't remember so many different food options there then. I, I know they stepped it up 
since those earlier days of it. Well, I can assure you next year there'll be some tie-in with uh, Star Wars Celebration because it's coming back to Orlando next year. So. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. good. Oh, cool. I don't have the exact dates, but I know that's happening. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, the uh, Star Wars weekends. There was a lot of cool stuff in the middle of June and seeing people dressed up in full gear as much as they can. You know, even Not even the people in the parade, you know, when they used to let you actually walk around the park and have that stuff. It was just, you know, 100 degrees out in full Stormtrooper outfits. And those people must have been <laughs> dying in those things. Yeah, they're, not, right they're there. not exactly that, that cool. That really is. <laughs> they're cool costumes, I'm... but they're not cool to be in. <laughs> No, you're wearing. Pla- there, there's nothing. There's nothing breathable on those things. Nope. I really get to travel to Florida during the time of year when the Star Wars weekends used to be. So I'll have to wait for my Star Wars Day at sea next year. That's that's even cooler. I, I'd love to do that too. So that that one will be coming up. So I'll get to see that probably well before Star Wars Land actually opens up. Anybody want to take any guess on what they'll actually call Star Wars Land? I know we've been calling it that for years now, it seems like. <laughs> I've seen a couple of different titles for the land. Some have said it was going to be the Star Wars Experience. Others, it was something Jedi related. I can't remember, but it would be interesting to see what it's actually finally called. Same with Pandora Land. Does Pandora Land have a an official I th- name? I think it's going to be the World of Pandora or yeah, something it's, along it's that. the World of Pandora, I believe. Yeah, that's what I've heard, too. I will be old in a nursing home, and I will still call it Pandora Land. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm sorry. It's Pandora, the world of Avatar. Oh, okay. I just, a new world. Right. Oh, the nomenclature. That's right. <laughs> I have to type that a lot. <laughs> as far as Star Wars goes, it's kind of hard to get a general title that's going to encompass everything. You know, light side. If they go with a Jedi type name, then you're leaving out all the dark side stuff. You know, Star Wars Land isn't very catchy, but I, I don't know how you find a happy medium. I'm sure they'll come up with something, but... Well, didn't they say it's going to be a new planet? So maybe they'll just name it whatever that new planet's name is. But oh, I yeah, think people true. will still call it Star Wars Land. Pro- I think it's pretty much branded, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. That would be cool. I did hear that as well, something about it's supposed to be a new planet. So yeah, that would be, cr- be really cool. Throw everybody for a loop as long as it's not Pandora. (laughs) Too many aliens all at one time. Right. Now, I can never have enough aliens. All right. The next thing on our plan for the night is what we like to call our blog deluge. deluge. We have some bloggers in our troop here, and we want them to be able to showcase what they've got going on. So we will start with Adrienne. Oh, yay. I get to go first. Yay. Um, Yay. Um... My most recent blog post was about optimizing your fast pass reservations in Disney World, especially in the Magic Kingdom. There are just so many options that people can become overwhelmed and not sure what they should get a fast pass for and what they shouldn't. Um, So I try to kind of break it down into what's a high priority, what's a medium priority and what's a low priority. And then broke it down a little bit more for um, Hollywood Studios and for Epcot where they had the tier ones and tier twos. I don't really want to go into it a whole lot. If y'all have any discussion, feel free. I always run my posts by a couple of people to get their opinions on what's going on. And a couple of people argued with me about um, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad as a high priority at Magic Kingdom. So, just kind of curious to see what you guys thought. That's 
that's probably hands down my favorite ride there. So that's definitely a high priority for me. I, I read your um, your blog and I, I liked how you did it and I liked how you broke down. I liked how you did it. It was set up really nice. It was easy to read. It was easy to understand. So I think people would really find that very helpful and very easy, easier to understand than than Disney's way of laying it out. Thanks. It's it's just it's overwhelming. There's so many choices, and you know I would hate to see a someone who's going to visit for the first time, you know, just unknowingly pick, you know, Barnstormer or something for their right. fast pass and wasting that. Cause I mean, it usually has a 15, 20 minute wait time, no matter what time of the year. Right. So, Especially if you're there early in the morning. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's one of the rides that it's my daughter's favorite. So we ride it every time and yep. we, we usually, you know, it's walk on, we just, go and write it probably two, three times in a row until she's tired of it and we go off and then we come back later and do the same thing. So, you know, it's, it's not one that you want when you only have three choices for the day, you know, four tops, then you don't want to waste, you don't want to waste one. No, definitely not. Well, the good news is at least they finally got rid of the kiosks. So now right, you can actually definitely. get your additional fast passes through the app instead of Having to go visit a kiosk that there's only like four places in the park that you can do that. that and the lines that there are insane. Always a hassle. Yep. Yeah, that was that was nuts. I don't know how they thought that that was going to actually be a efficient way to get that done. I can understand for non-resort guests and and people who had to use them, but for people who were there and staying on property and you know sixty day out people, that it it should have automatically been. In, in, in integrated into the app right away. Yeah, absolutely. And we, I mean, after we would get our first three, even if we used our last one, it was too much of a hassle to go to the kiosk to get a fourth one. We would just kind of chance it and, you know, go about our day. Yeah, us too. I don't think I ever wa- went back and stood in line to get the uh, fourth one. No, us either. And I think, Adrian, didn't they make a change too that they're not going to pair certain things together anymore? You can actually yes. pick three distinct things. And you don't have to pick three, which is good. You know, I don't know why you wouldn't. Because, I mean, even when they chose them for me, if they gave me a random turtle talk with Crush or something, then, you know, I would go ahead and take it just in case. But, um, yeah, absolutely. You, you, it's now more personalized, I guess. You can, you don't have to take the times that they automatically generate for you. You get to choose the times. You get to, you know pick the three that you want instead of having to go back and modify it later, which when you're staying up until midnight to get seven dwarves and Anna and Elsa, you don't have the brain power to do that anyway. <laughs> right. And that's really good that they're not feeding you three because when you're trying to plan for a family of five where only one child wants to go see Anna and Elsa and the boys would rather get the plague from the pirates then go see a princess, then it's really hard when you, you're trying to split up the family and make sure everybody has fast passes when they're giving you their preferred times versus the times when I know I can do it. I can get everybody to that attraction without rushing, without, you know, trying to like why the system would give me space mountain fast pass one hour from a thunder mountain fast pass. That makes no sense. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so at least yeah. now it gives us the flexibility to, personalize it not just for you know one group but within the group there's personalization yeah i also in that post try to give a couple of strategies for when to pick them you know if you're going to get there at rope drop and you're there or even for you know early 
morning extra magic hours, there's no need to have a nine o'clock fast pass or a nine thirty fast pass because you're going to be able to get on whatever you want, you know, almost immediately with a very short line anyway. So trying to educate, I guess, people on, you know, making your fast passes for starting around 10 or 11 o'clock and then later on in the afternoon when the peak crowds are there. Yeah, no, that was, that was definitely good. Yeah. I definitely subscribe to that theory, even on ridiculous busy days, like during the Christmas season, last time we were there, I mean, you walked in the park, it was busy because it's Christmas, but we were still able to get a, you know, three, four things done, you know, in fantasy land for all the kids and took my older son on thunder mountain or space mountain before it really got insane but it was almost like by 11 11 30 like the entire you know it was all of a sudden that you know phase a right out of no out of nowhere <laughs> but you're right though because it's amazing how many people who don't know probably make their they 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 panic they're like oh i gotta get it on an elsa it's you know for rope drop let me fast pass that let me fast pass for peter pan when like you said if you get there and you go straight there you're good maybe 10 15 minutes yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're lucky enough to have made a pre-park opening dining reservation. You know, if you have a 8 o'clock, 8.15 Cinderella's Royal Table, you get done eating at 9, you're already set up for, you know, um, Anna and Elsa or for Seven Dwarves or whatever. Right. Yep, that's what we usually would do for you know, Crystal Palace early or something like that. Yeah, and then just, and you're right there. Yeah, absolutely. Us too. And you can find all of that on WDWbound.com. And next, we're going to go over to Milford. Milford, what do you have going on on your blog? Well, they they released a few more things about uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar, in this last couple weeks. They actually released some photos of some of the things that will be going on in there. They're actually pretty cool pictures. Uh, you know, the ground's going to basically look like Pandora did in the movie that glows. So the bioluminescence. Yeah, I don't know how they're yeah. going to do this, but um, it's beautiful. I don't know if they're doing fiber optics in the concrete or what they're doing, but it it looks it, it looks pretty amazing. And then there's there's a lot of other, you know. Then there's the ride, of course, which we don't have a lot of details on yet. I think the Pandora land has kind of been overshadowed by Star Wars land. Yeah. Like, we don't know near as much about it. Yeah, there's no. not as, definitely not as much information out there. And I think they kind of want it that way because they want people to be shocked. Uh, oh, definitely. Well, because there's been such what? a negative, there's been such a negative thing about it. So uh, it's probably better that way because then people are going to come in and be like pleasantly surprised. Whether you love or hate the movie, if the place is beautiful and it's functionally is is cool to be in and the stuff to do there is is fun then what's the difference where the origin of it is movie wise you know if people don't know the entire backstory yeah. so i have a question um do they know is is the world of avatar opening after star wars land before star wars land is that has that been announced that's supposed to open next year it says 2017 okay uh, i don't know that they've released an actual opening date yeah it broke ground quite some time ago yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. There's the the ride through ever whatever the mountain they're building is, uh, and the then floating mountains. Yeah. Then there's the river journey that they're going to have as well. So you're going to start to see those rivers in Animal Kingdom get used a lot more now. That's awesome. It's going to be really cool. I, I've never personally I have not seen the movie, but I'm still 
super excited to see what it's doing because like the bioluminescent stuff in the on the ground and then all the plants and stuff are going to be uh, lit up and glowing and stuff it's going to be pretty cool at night and then i think you got to couple that with i think the new movie comes out because i think there's a new movie but i can't find it oh yeah 2018 so okay i'm sure they'll be pumping that as oh, I'm, part yeah. of it as well was yeah, he doing... I believe they committed to like four new movies. That's what I heard. Yeah, they're making a big thing out of it. Multiple sequels. Yeah, IMDb actually has four avatars listed. The first one, a second one, which is yet to be titled, and then two additional. So, Wow. All directed by James Cameron, so they should be as awesome as the first one was. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're doing a great job of making Animal Kingdom a nighttime park with all of the new features they have. And Pandora will be really neat at night. Yeah, they honestly needed to do that for that park because, you know, everybody was out of there by 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's what all my clients call the half-day park. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. So well, it it always shut early anyway, especially yeah. during the during the fall and winter when it was dark by six six thirty. The park was closed at five o'clock. So even if you wanted yeah. to hang out there and wander around, you couldn't. Yeah. So now they're even staying open later. They're staying open as late as eight and nine o'clock now. I believe they're starting the nighttime safari here in the next month or so. So and then of course they've got the kind of part time fill in for the rivers of light entertainment since they delayed rivers of light so right now that's that's going to go off later at night isn't it it wasn't isn't it going to be like a, a nine o'clock start time or yeah or not it's going to be like a eight thirty nine o'clock thing and then there's okay. and then there's supposedly a projection show on the tree oh yes yes i did hear about that so yeah. you're actually going to see animals kind of come to life in the tree throughout the evening and then there's a basically a video show that'll happen on the tree but i don't have dates on that Oh, cool! So. It'll be like uh, reflections of Earth, but huger, uh, huger, bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that tree Much is massive. Much more huger. <laughs> and you can find all of that on Milford's blog, which is at milfordhutzel dot com. Yep. And next, we have Jessica over at the Duchess of Disneyland. Jessica, what 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 was your latest post on? So my latest post was a little bit unusual for me because it's a little bit more toward the negative. It's not necessarily, you know, harping, but it's just kind of a recap of two concerns I have about certain trends that are going on at Disneyland right now. And the first one is exactly what we were talking about at the beginning with all of the walls everywhere. So much is closed. A lot of restaurants are closing. A lot of attractions are closing early and This comes right after, like we said, they just raised prices. Um, And then the other thing that has been going on in Disneyland, I'm not sure, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about the Disney World side, but at Disneyland, the cross-promotion and advertising in the park has just become really almost forced and just too blatant in some cases. The theaters in the parks, like the theater in A Bug's Land and the theater in Tomorrowland, They've been closing their shows to show extended trailers of upcoming Disney movies. And now there's this rumor that the Tower of Terror is going to become Guardians of the Galaxy themed, which really doesn't make sense to me because Hollywoodland is supposed to be, you know, old Hollywood glamour. And I really don't understand what aliens have to do with that. So 
I mean, Disney has always had cross promotion. I think about like Indiana Jones being in Adventureland or even when Star Wars went into Tomorrowland, but it just never felt so forced or like a disjointed, I guess. So I don't know if that's true right. in Disney World. I'd like to hear what you guys think. I, I think that, yeah, Indy fits into Adventureland. Star Wars, to an extent, does fit into the Tomorrowland vibe. Mm-hmm. But the whole, I am a little disturbed about the galaxy, of the Guardians of the Galaxy overlay or remake or reboot of Tower of Terror. I'm not quite sure how you're going to fit some sort of elevator or drop sequence thing into that particular realm of Marvel and definitely doesn't have anything to do with old Hollywood. I'm interested more though in the why. Yeah. Like even Rom doesn't explain how you put guardians of the galaxy and tower of terror together. <laughs> it, it, there, it's so disjointed where, yeah. like I said, at least yeah. I can see Star Wars in Tomorrowland, even though it was in a galaxy a long, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> At least I can and see the space going on, but yeah. Right. The no, theme, you're right. The general theme of that somewhat fits, but the other thing doesn't make any sense. I, I didn't hear that for the Disney World part. I did, I did hear that they were thinking of putting a bar in there somewhere. Uh, that, um, that that's actually sense. happening. Is that actually that happening? That's actually yeah. happening. Yeah. Gives me a reason to go back. <laughs> They released, some, they released some photos nice of the bar they're putting in there. So uh, wonderful. Okay. That's good because no, I can't and I believe it ride was, anymore. I believe it was only Disneyland. Yeah, it that was. was having this. It was not supposed to be transferred over to Disney Hollywood Studios. Okay. And what bothers me is, you know, in Hollywood Land is a very small land in California Adventure, and right. the Tower of Terror is really the centerpiece. It's like the big draw into that land. And that's supposed to be the tie of old Hollywood. And it's just one of the most famous attractions in the entire park. And to repurpose it into something that doesn't make sense just to promote a movie release is weird enough. But, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, like, it's going to kind of subside once the movie comes out. People will kind of calm down. And then it's, okay, what the hell is this? I just worry that the whole park is eventually going to become a bunch of kind of forced attractions promoting a specific movie that become outdated, so they keep changing over and over, so there's not this consistency or this, like, that's our hallmark because it changes so much. I wonder if it's, I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg on this one, if it's kind of alluding to a new plot point in Guardians 2. Maybe yeah, there's something that's going to be dealing with Freefall. I think there's a whole lot we don't know about the new movie yet. Yeah. Yeah, but still, I... I, I... I'll agree with Jessica 100. percent I don't. I don't think that warrants taking an an, an attraction that's that's so beloved. And like I know, and on our side here in, in Hollywood Studios, that's almost become the landmark. When you know, when, with the whole hat debacle and everything, now that the hat's gone and the Chinese theater's back, but the Tower of Terror was the icon of that park for a long time. And that's a. I mean, it's a great attraction. I mean, it's not just the ride, but the. The detail, the whole thing leading up to the drop, is what I, what never gets talked about enough, in my opinion. Now, I can't go on that thing anymore because I can't take seven drops anymore. But it's you know, and it and it sucks because I really liked it. But right. But to see it, like she said, to get repurposed for something that that the fad's going to die out, or it's yeah, there's it's going to have its niche somewhere. But to to permanently change something like that is yeah, it's maddening to me. It's it's aggravating when they when they do stuff like that for whatever their reasoning is. 
And we're emotionally yeah. tied and invested in Tower of Terror. When we were actually over in California, we were, we, my kids rode that so many times that we began during the pre-show looking around and checking out all of the knickknacks. And we looked on the table right beside the doors and there's a room key with a room number on it. And I have a picture of it. I'll have to put it up on the blog when the audio comes out. But the picture that I have of that room key, that room number was the same room number we had at our hotel. Oh, wow. Creepy. Really? (laughs) I, I looked at it and I'm like, that number sounds so familiar because we had several rooms with our whole entire family there. And then I looked at it and I took a picture of it. And when we got back to the hotel, I was like, darn, it's the same number. So things like that have emotional ties and emotional connections. And when they reface a ride completely, yeah, it, it strikes us emotionally. I mean, it, it hurts well, it a really bit, is. But- yeah, it really is, you know, the centerpiece of even California Adventure, I might argue, because it's the tallest building in Anaheim. If you right. drive up to the main gates of either park, you can see it from the highway. I mean... It's not something that people overlook and they don't really care if it goes away. I mean, it's really important to the park, I think. And when you're on, you know, Expedition Everest, when you're stuck up at the top, you can see the tower. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's a visual landmark for us over on the East Coast as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so you mentioned something about cross-promotion and showing movie trailers in the parks. Um, mm-hmm. An interesting thing at Disney World, is anytime they have a stage set up at Hollywood Studios, they show <laughs> movie trailers. And, hmm. and it gets real irritating. <laughs> yeah. Because it's over What I talked about in the blog. <laughs> yeah. What I talked about in the blog is I just think that when you get rid of actual unique shows and just show commercials that honestly you could watch at home. You know, the the uniqueness of visiting the park kind of gets chipped away a little bit. And you're already aware of the absurd amount of money that you're spending to go to this place. And then for them to just show you blatant commercials as opposed to, you know, more subtle commercials like the rides. It's just kind of infuriating. Or at least offering an experience that maybe yeah. connects you to the new movie. Yeah, so right. like, like at Hollywood Studios when they did the Captain Jack thing. With right. the pirate movie coming out, that was actually pretty cool. I liked uh, that. Yeah, they actually did the same thing with the, when the Narnia, when the first Narnia movie came out. They yeah, had, it was you their walked first, in yeah. and you could smell the pine and the trees and the snow and the and, and that was pretty cool. But you know, that's a little different than just showing a movie preview. Right. Well, it, they're they did the same. Not the same thing. They're not movie trailers, but over at Epcot, where Captain EO used to be, now they jammed in there, in there just to make use of the building. They're playing all those uh, the Pixar shorts that you know that the collections are out and they're in front of all the movies. So I, you know, for what it's worth, if you were just going to show movies in there, leave Captain EO running. I mean, it wasn't the best show in the world. It was definitely dated, but it was funny for me to go and watch it every once in a while because it brought me back to my youth. But to, to show Pixar shorts that everybody probably owns and everybody's kid watches on their iPad, yeah. you're paying you know $95 to get into Epcot and you're going to go watch the same movies you, you watched in your car on the way over. That, you know, that, that doesn't make sense to me either. Well, the rumor there is that theater is in very bad disrepair. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <sighs> the entire journey into imagination seems to be in a bit of 
yeah, Flux not... says. So where its future actually lies. Yep. Well, let's not get started on that. That's for <laughs> another podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So you can see Jessica's take on all of the changes over in California at her website called the Duchess of Disneyland. The final blog post I'll talk about is over on DizExplorers.com. I'll just speak about it briefly. It is the spoiler-free review of Captain America Civil War. It was just released last Friday, and let me tell you, very little gets me into a movie theater on opening week of any movie, much less opening day when it's when we know that it's going to be just a blockbuster. We arrived at the movie theater, goodness, at least 40 minutes early, and it was already nearly full. So we were very excited to go see it, and I will say the opening sequence Without giving any plot points away, there was a bit of vertigo involved. So I was very glad that we had decided to go with the 2D version versus a 3D version or even IMAX. Because as we all know, one ride on Rock and Roller Coaster and my vertigo is spinning. So that was good. There was a lot of location hopping all around the world. So, And it was very James Bond where they would put, you're in London in big letters or you're in New York in big letters. And I kept thinking wow, I feel like I'm watching The Great Race and expecting the acapella singers to come on singing the Carmen Sandiego theme a couple of times. <laughs> so, so there is some global world travel going on. They, they seem to get around pretty quickly. A little bit of time differences as well, where there's flashbacks to different episodes. That I don't mind so much. That actually added to the movie because you, we weren't given full information. We didn't always know what we were watching. And each time we got back, we got a little bit more information. So I really liked that aspect of it. I, I do like how they did address some previous nitpickings coming from Winter Soldier. The creators of Captain America are phenomenal. They they love Captain America. They love the fans. They love the story. So anytime they get feedback, they're they're willing to take it and try to make the next movie even better or maybe even give a nod to past mistakes. So they're they're pretty good. So Next week, once the film's been out for a week, there's some great things that I'd love to discuss about it. But I will give everybody a full week before I post, post my review with all the spoilers abound. It, it, it's a great movie to go see. If, you, if you're if you on the fence about whether or not to go see it in the movies or wait for the DVD release, go see it. Go see it now. <laughs> go. Mm. It, it's fantastic. It really is. And you do not need to have seen... Captain America 1 or 2 to enjoy it. I think they have enough fill-in information to get you caught up, although obviously much, much more enjoyable if you know the entire storyline, but it, it stands all on its own. Yeah, I would totally agree. The uh, the the running around to different places in the world was kind of maddening at some points. And, and A little I'll, jarring. And I'll agree with you, that first sequence is... I saw it in IMAX 3D, and, and I... I started to get a little nauseous because they <laughs> I had to are look moving away. around pretty quick. I was like, look away. But it's, the review is definitely spoiler free. Basically, I really only try to comment on what's been previously released in trailers or what you can get just by looking at the movie posters. Obviously, you can tell by looking at the most posters who's on which team. But even with that information, there's still some surprises and some, well, they call them plot twists that you could see coming a mile away, but that's still, that's Marvel. <laughs> we like having, we like being able to anticipate where the plot's going to turn. We like proving ourselves right. That's how we work. 
and not so much Disney Marvel, but in a few more weeks, the next X-Men movie comes out as well. And I heard there's no Patrick Stewart in it, so I'm a little on the fence of that. It's what I heard. I heard it was going to be the younger Professor Xavier, so. Yeah, it's going way back. I'm okay with that. Yeah, me too, but I love Jean-Luc Picard in anything. He He can do no wrong. Me too, but James McAvoy, I'm a big fan of his um, Professor X too. So, oh, absolutely, I'm very much looking forward to that one. And you know, they showed a pretty good preview with it as well for uh, Doctor Strange, which yes. looks amazing. And who's playing in the movie is even better. Tilda Swinton, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh my goodness, it's everything. Uh, young geek girl could ever want growing up if these movies had been out when i was a kid oh my goodness who knows what superpowers i would have today but i'm glad my kids get to enjoy them because this this one's going to be really really good i'm really excited for that one and there was also a rogue one trailer before captain america as well so oh we didn't get the rogue one trailer <gasps> that's you a didn't. bummer it it was funny it started off the, all the trailers, and I normally, and I didn't this time, I normally just as a game count how many trailers <laughs> come before the main feature. And usually these days we're up to eight, sometimes nine trailers before the movie even begins. And it started off with young kitty type things, like the one where the pets are at home and what happens when your pets are at home and you go away, almost like Toy Story, but with pets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the pets can talk and they can do things <laughs> until their owners get home and then they become dogs and cats again. So it started off with the little ones, and then it and then it worked up to, you know, Rogue One and Doctor Strange, and so that was neat to see the progression there. Well, that's a bummer. We only got two previews, but I think that was because the movie was supposed to start at six forty, and uh-huh. it didn't. They didn't get things rolling until six forty-five because people were still in the lobby to come in. So ah. I think they cut the number of trailers we got, which is kind of a bummer. How? Oh, yeah. Rude. Absolutely. Was the yeah, Rogue I mean, One was the Rogue One different than the little parts that have been floating around? Was it like an actual full no, trailer? There, there was not. There was nothing that I hadn't seen before. I'm not sure what uh, the length was, but no, it wasn't. But it was really neat seeing it on the big screen. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. That that I really loved. And just a note on theater etiquette: if you're going to a showing on a Friday or Saturday night, do not expect to show up two minutes before the feature begins and want everybody else to move so your party can sit together right <laughs> be a kind theater goer arrive at least 10 minutes early while the lights are still on so you can decide how to split up your party effectively uh it drives me nuts so, i know and they were asking if my husband had to run back out to the concession stand because they were brewing him a coffee and so he ran back out and people were asking us just if we could scoot over now his jacket was still there it's not like we were holding a bunch of seats it was one seat and people were asking if the people on the other side of us can move over so that they could take those two seats. We're like, um, no. Nope. <laughs> so, yes, please practice good theater-going etiquette and arrive at least 10 minutes before so the lights are still on when you enter the theater. And if you're going to one of those weekend showings, buy your tickets ahead of time. The yeah, line was crazy. Another, we were so glad we did. Another tip, IMAX, pay the extra 3 bucks if you can because it's all reserved seating now. Yes. Which is awesome. Because hmm. people leave empty seats in the middle of the theater. I booked my ticket the day before and got a mm-hmm. seat right in the middle of the theater. 
Wow, that's cool. Because somebody left a bunch of single seats, so. Hmm. I, we like. I, but we still have people show up late, so. Oh gosh, the Too movie bad. theater, the very back row is extra long, kind of like those, the seats with the bulkheads in front of them on the airline. You get extra leg room in the very back row, so we we try to get there early enough to get those back seats. I haven't seen it advertised around up here in IMAX. They're they're showing the Force Awakens in IMAX at a couple places now, months later. But I've I've not seen any advertisements for the uh, Captain America movie in IMAX around here. Hmm. Maybe well, they'll act- do it later on in the summer. Disney actually had a contract with all the IMAX theaters to show Star Wars through like this month. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I just I've probably seen a couple... until Captain America came out. Yeah, I've seen a. They have a couple billboards on the highway up here. I saw. I actually just saw them today for the first time. But uh, maybe they are playing. There's only two IMAX theaters. One's about ten minutes away from me, and then the other one's maybe forty-five minutes down closer towards uh, New Jersey. Yeah, I just took a look at our local IMAX. It's all Captain America's. They have one showing per day in two D, and the rest are all in IMAX three D. Oh wow! Actually. Mm-hmm. The other IMAX, it's not a full movie theater. It's attached to uh, a small aquarium that we have a few towns over. So maybe it doesn't get big build movies. I'm not sure. I've never seen a uh, a big production film in that one. It's usually just small stuff in nature right. films. So maybe they're not carrying that. Yeah, we have one here in Indiana that's coupled with the State Museum. And it's just an IMAX theater. But they'll show big productions like this you know, during their off time. But it's a little different. It's not just a, it's it's the double wide IMAX screen. So, right. Uh, if you think you get vertigo, oh, it feels like you're in soaring. If you think you get vertigo from the regular IMAX screen, this thing's like two and a half times wider. Yeah, that's how this one is too. Yeah, it's really wide, and it's maybe only ten rows up. It's not very large. Yeah. They need the lifty seats, like on soaring. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up at this point. Before we go, we always like to go around the table so that you can hear how to get in touch with all of us over on social media. So we'll start with Adrian. All right. My blog is at wdwbound.com. I am also on Facebook at Adrian, I'm sorry, at Adri WDW Bound and Twitter at WDW Bound underscore com. Jessica. So my blog is at duchessofdisneyland.com and you can also find me on Facebook at Duchess of Disneyland and Twitter at Duchess Jessica. Crystal. Hey guys, um, you can find me on Twitter at Disney Brewing. So cheers and ears all. Look forward to talking to you guys. Milford. Uh, you can find me on my blog at milfordhutzel.com and on Twitter, uh, Milford on Move. And you can search Milford on Move on Facebook as well. And RJ. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at blackpearl454 and over on the Facebook at RJ Lucia Jr. And this is Belle. You can find me on all of the Diz Explorers official social media platforms at the Diz Explorers on Twitter and DizExplorers.com. You'll find blogs, links to all of our great co-hosts' blogs and all the links to our up and running podcasts. You can find my personal find me on Twitter. My personal handle is DCL Navigator. 
thanks for joining us tonight. We will we look forward to talking with you all next week on the Diz Explorers. Bye.